Well, we're still in 2 Corinthians here, studying our way through the book tonight, looking at uh, chapter 7, verses 4 through 7, Paul speaking to the Corinthian church. If you've been here for any length of time with this study, you've heard me say the Corinthian church applies to our culture in modern times because they were a crazy, wild, out-of-control church. <laughs> and uh, I don't know about you, but when you look at things out there, it doesn't seem like uh, we are getting back to the Judeo-Christian ethics that have made us, you know, a great nation, and the nations are spinning out of control, and we see a lot of crazy stuff going on. So all of this stuff is appropriate. Paul is speaking to this church. They had a lot of issues. They had a lot of drama. Uh, there were those within the church that questioned his apostleship. They're kicking against his teaching. There's those in the church that, uh, you know, were false teachers and wanted to divide the body. We catch up here in uh, chapter 7. I'm going to read probably verses 1 through 7 tonight and just pay attention to verse 4 on because it's what we're going to cover tonight. So Lord, we thank you for this study in the Word. We thank you for this letter, this epistle that Paul wrote to this church that mirrors our culture. Father, we pray tonight that you would Uh, make this come alive to us and that the principles of your word would come alive and we'd be able to apply them to our daily lives. Lord, we know it's with the Holy Spirit. And so Holy Spirit, open up this to us tonight and change each one of us. Don't let us leave here the way we came, Lord. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let's cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Remember, we unpacked all of this. Verse two, make room for us in your hearts. We have wronged no one. We have corrupted no one. Mm. We have taken advantage of no one. I do not speak to condemn you, for I have said before that you are in our hearts to die together and to live together. Verse four, my confidence in you is great. My boasting in your behalf is great. I am filled with comfort. I am overflowing with joy in all our affliction. For even when we came to Macedonia, our flesh had no rest, but we were afflicted on every side, conflicts on the outside, fears on the inside. But God, who comforts the discouraged, comforted us by the arrival of Titus. And not only by his arrival, but also by the comfort with which he was comforted among you. As he reported to us your longing, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoiced even more. Let's stop there. We're going to take a look at verses 4 through 7. Now, Paul finishes uh, encouraging the Corinthians to be holy, to avoid the snares of the flesh, to make room in their hearts for God. We looked at this last time we were together in this text. He encourages them to conduct themselves with integrity. How many know it's important that we're just not Christians when people are looking? How many know it's important that, you know, what we do when no one's looking really defines who we are? You know, there's some people you can trust if you can watch them. But if you can't watch them, you can't trust them. And if you ever have to rely on a person like that, that'll wear you out. So he's encouraging them, have integrity, conduct yourselves with integrity. Why? In the fear of the Lord, because God sees everything. We might fool some of the people some of the time, but we're not fooling God any of the time. All of these are great applicable reminders to us as we continue here. He, He says, you know... 
that he doesn't want them to feel condemned. So he's throwing things at them. He's encouraging them to, you know, walk straight and fly right, and he's doing all that, and he wants to make sure that they know that he's not trying to condemn them. He loves them. He's connected to them. He's committed to them. Verse 4, he shares how he feels about them in his heart. He says, my confidence in you is great. My boasting in your behalf is great. I am filled with comfort. I am overflowing with joy in all of our affliction. Powerful verse here. What Paul is showing to the Corinthians is his love for them in the manner of a father's heart. You see, Paul has a father's heart towards the Corinthians. Why? What he says, my confidence is great in you. I believe in you. I'm for you. I'm with you. He has a father's heart towards the church of all the churches that were planted. And he has a father's heart towards the Corinthians. He loved them deeply and he saw them as his spiritual children. And so he speaks to them in that way. Now, every good parent sees their child like they see them differently than everybody else sees them, right? You know, you, you pick your kid out in the crowd, you pick your kid out in the middle of the game, and you're looking, and you're smiling, oh, aren't they wonderful? And they could be the worst one on the team. You know, they're the kid that hits the ball and runs to third. But you're taking pictures, oh, isn't he great? Look at him out there. And Paul has that heart towards these believers here, and he, he wants us to know that. Why? Because that reflects the, the Father's heart. Our God in heaven feels that way about us. He sees the good in them. He sees the potential in them. And that's what I want you to see. He says in the text, my confidence in you is great. You know, you and I need to learn to look past the superficial flaws of others. How many know it's easy? You know, the Corinthians were crazy. They were wild. They were immoral. Yet what does Paul say? My confidence in you is great. Why can he say that sincerely? Because he was able to look past their flaws. See, too many of us look at a person and we size them up by what's wrong with them. Oh, you don't do this and you don't do that and you're, you're too loud or you're too quiet or you're too full of your, and we judge. And Paul cut through all of those things and he saw the good in them. And you know, that's what God does with us. God knows everything we've blown and every mess we've made and every failure in our life, but he looks past that and he sees the good in us. He has confidence in us. And Paul is mirroring the father heart of God to the Corinthians here. Let's learn to look past the flaws of others, especially uh, the flaws of people we're in close relationship with. Any married people here? Nobody wants to admit it. Stop picking on each other, married people. You know, don't we just find the one thing, you know? So what? The cap is off, the toothpaste, the toilet seat is up. Just enjoy each other. Life is short. So we got to look past these superficial, uh, inconsequential, superfluous things that they, they don't matter, you know, but Paul has this heart towards them, and it's really mirroring what God feels towards us. God has expressed things to his children all throughout history. Maybe he's expressed things to you. He just, you know, how much he loves you, how much he, he's for you, and you feel like, man, I'm a total failure. I can't even believe God is still, you know, with me. There was a guy named Gideon in Judges 6, 11, and he was... Uh, in a situation where the, the enemies of Israel were persecuting them, they were raiding them, they were stealing all their crops. And here's Gideon, and in Judges 6, 11, he's threshing uh, wheat and he's hiding it from the enemies. Listen to what it says here. And, the, and there came an angel of the Lord and sat under the oak, which is an Oprah that pertained to Joash, the Abizarite, and his son Gideon 
threshed wheat by the wine press to hide it from the Midianites. Here's Gideon. He's threshing wheat by the wine press. Why? He's hiding from the Midianites. Why? Because he's scared of them. Because the Midianites were plundering the Jews and taking all of their crops and they would steal everything. So he's in a wine press hiding, threshing wheat here. And, and this is what the angel of the Lord comes. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, the Lord is with thee, thy mighty man of valor. Now you might think, oh, that feels good, mighty man of valor. But you got to get this here. He's hiding. He's scared. He's not a mighty man of valor in the natural. He's a chicken. He's a coward. Yet did God say, oh, worthless chicken hiding in the wine press? No, he said, mighty man of valor. Why was it God able to do that? He was able to see past his flaws, see past his current situation here. Gideon was hiding because he was scared of a ruthless, oppressive enemy. But God didn't see a coward cowering. Instead, he saw a man that had what it takes to crush Israel's enemies. And that's exactly what he did with Gideon. He took that coward hiding in the wine press, hiding. He turned him into a mighty man of valor, like he said. He turned him into a warrior, and he used him to lead God's people to crush their enemies. Read it in Judges. You'll see this guy, you know, and I, what I want you to see here is don't define yourself by what people say about you or how you feel about yourself or, or the flaws that other people point out in you. Listen for the voice of the Lord. He's going to tell you what he sees in you, amen? And that's exactly what Paul's doing here, you know, encouraging the Corinthians, saying, oh, I have great confidence in you. And, and, and they must have been like, you know, when Gideon heard mighty men of valor, he's like, uh, say what? You talking to me? Is somebody else hiding in here? Anybody else hiding in? No, he's talking to you, Gideon, because he saw that in you. And Paul sees uh, good things in the Corinthians. He says, my confidence in you is great. We need to learn to help other brothers and sisters reach for their God potential. Amen. Let me say that again, because you still look stunned out there. So I'm going to say it again. We need to help our other, you know, our brothers and sisters reach for their God potential. And that's not by pointing out their flaws and coming down on them. and pit. No, it's by seeing what God sees in them and getting them to reach for their God potential. We become a powerful weapon in God's hands that he can use to crush the kingdom of darkness when you and I mobilize people in the body of Christ to use their gifts and to reach their potential. None of us can do all of this. Well, I want the glory. I want the credit. I want the position. All of us got a job to do, and we all need to work together, amen? So the quicker we learn to see what God sees in each other, the more we can encourage one another to be useful in the kingdom of God. Verse 4 continues, Paul saying, my boasting on your behalf is great. Paul saying, not only do I believe in you, but I brag about you. And there again, this is a father's heart. Why? In true parental form, Paul can't help but brag about his spiritual children and their development and the fruit that they're producing. And he sees good things in them and he talks about them and he's not saying bad things. How, how many understand most of the time when people are talking about somebody else, it's not good. You know, where you work, in the office, in your neighborhood, maybe in your family, somebody's always talking and it's usually not good. I know it was just getting through Thanksgiving here, so maybe this is too close to home, but hopefully we're healing up. And he says, my boasting uh, about you is, you know, it's great. I I'm bragging about you guys. Now, parents who love their children always brag about their accomplishments. How many parents will admit that you've talked up your, your kids? 
and the rest of you are lying. So <laughs> sometimes, you know, when parents go on and on about their children's accomplishments, it does get a little annoying, though. Anybody? Because when their claims are obviously inflated or exaggerated, you ever been there? You know, like people say things, oh, my, my son discovered electricity. <laughs> or, or my son's in the army, he defeated ISIS. Or another person, you know, some old lady's talking, my son, he, he invented bacon. No, he didn't. <laughs> you know, people make stuff up like, I mean, they get inflated. Look, but when God brags about us, he's not inflating it. He's not making it up. It's what he sees in our potential that he looks at us and he says, well, you don't, Rick, you don't even know what's in there. No, I don't know what's in there. Really, God? And, and a lot of times we feel like Gideon, we feel defeated, broken, hiding, uh, you know, just like there's no good thing in us and, and we're not reaching and God speaks right to us. And this is what's happening here. Paul's bragging about them. Why? Because he believes in them. So let's learn to celebrate each other. Let's learn to hear what God says about us and believe that, Amen. The apostles' enthusiasm about uh, those who were faithful and fruitful in Corinth as members of the body of Christ actually translated into comfort and joy for him. I want you to get this. Look what he says. And he says, my confidence in you is great. My boasting on your behalf is great. And listen, here's the result. I am filled with comfort and I am overflowing with joy in all our affliction. You know, sometimes you got to read this stuff slowly because it, we can blow right through it and miss it. Paul's in affliction. He's in trial. He, you know, he goes from one situation to the next, shipwreck and being stoned and being thrown in jail, yet he ministers to the churches all throughout his ministry, and he says, you know, my confidence in you and, my, you know, and what I see happening amongst you guys is, is encouraging to me that the point, you know, that it comforts me. And this is a powerful thing here, a lesson we need to learn. You know, sometimes we only get comforted when things are going good for us. You know, everything could be going great around us, but we're struggling with something, so we are down in the dumps, we're in a bad mood, and we're defeated. We need to learn to get our comfort not just from what's going on with us, but what's going on around us, amen? Uh, I am filled with comfort. I am overflowing. That's powerful stuff. I'm overflowing with joy in all our affliction. Sometimes the best way to diffuse the pressure and the hardships in our own life is to focus on the positive things that are going around, uh, around us and in the lives of others. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Well, I'm not doing good today, but you're blessed today. Man, you're having a great day. God, God's doing things in your life. I'm gonna let that translate into joy and comfort for me. Yeah. You see, now this clashes against the narcissism of our culture. It clashes against the self-centeredness of our culture. Yet, when we learn to celebrate others, because we're all on the same team. If you're on a team, and it's the ninth inning, and, and, and you know, you're the catcher, but the shortstop hits a home run and wins the game, do you go, oh, man. Why couldn't I hit the home run? No, you run out on the field and you celebrate, right? And that's the, that's the point I'm trying to get across here. When others are doing well, when others are being blessed, when others are having breakthrough, even if we're struggling, we need to let that translate into comfort and encouragement for us. And this is what, this is what Paul learned, and that's why he could go through the most miserable conditions in life and still have the joy of the Lord because it wasn't all about him. When it's all about me, sometimes I'm depressing. Sometimes I'm a mess. 
Sometimes I'm broken and there's no quick fix for it. Sometimes I'm overcome. But I need to look outside of me and you need to look outside of you because God is always doing good things all around us. Let that be a comfort. Verse 5 highlights the reality that sometimes we're going to be disappointed in life. Now, I know nobody likes to be reminded of that, but it's the truth anyhow. For even when we came to Macedonia, our flesh had no rest, but we were afflicted on every side, conflicts on the outside, fears on the inside. Sounds delightful, doesn't it? If Paul was scheduling vacations, I wouldn't go with him. This highlights the reality that sometimes, you know, we are going to be disappointed in life. Even when we're faithfully serving the purposes of God, life is going to be difficult and disappointing at times. Here's Paul, not doing his own thing, not in sin, not running around in drunkenness and debauchery and adultery. He is doing the will of God for his life. He's living 100% holy, and he's 100% in the perfect will of God, and he's still having hardship. Wow. You know, this has to speak to us. Why? Because we think someday when I get it all together, someday when everything's going right, someday, you know, when I, and someday is never going to come while we're in these bodies. There's always, no matter how tight and straight we walk and how hard we're trying, there's going to be difficulties. And sometimes life's going to be disappointing. Now, the text implies that when Paul and his team got to Macedonia, they were expecting some much-needed encouragement, rest, and relief. You say, how, how do you know that? Listen, it says it like this, for even when we came to Macedonia, the implication there is that they weren't expecting what, was, what happened in Macedonia to happen. So in there is disappointment. Even when we came to Macedonia, our flesh had no rest. And, and I want you to I want you to see this. The reason that we get overwhelmed sometimes and we, we, we want to quit is because we are disappointed when our expectations aren't met. Man, you guys are quiet tonight. Anybody ever have expectations in life? Oh, I expected it to go this way. I expected it to be good. I expected it to be blessed. I expected... And, and those expectations, when they meet reality, they're dashed. It's unmet expectations that cause us to be, you know, angry and upset and want to quit on ourselves and want to quit on God. And I want you to see that. Paul expected when they got to Macedonia that they would have some rest, they would have some comfort, but he says even when we got there, there was no rest for our flesh. That's not what we expected. And when expectations are dashed, that's when disappointment grabs hold of our hearts. I know you're quiet tonight, but I know by the Spirit there's some of you in here that you had expectations that were unmet, and now you're disappointed, and your life has come unglued. I want to say something to you, to you tonight. God's not through with you yet. God is not through with you yet. The final chapter has not been lived yet. God has a plan to bless you, to prosper you, to give you a hope and a future, amen. He's for you. He's got you in his hands. And even though it didn't go the way you thought and you're disappointed, don't quit on God. Don't quit on yourself. Hang in there and be faithful, amen. Well, even when we got there, yeah, we expected something better in Macedonia. 
Uh, but, you know, what does it say here? We're afflicted on every side. Conflicts on the outside, fear on the inside. Does that sound like a lot of, a lot of the way life goes? You know, most of us don't like to admit that there's a lot of conflicts that we deal with. There's a lot of pulling and tugging uh, that goes on inside us and outside of us. And there's a lot of fears that all of us deal with. Afflictions, conflicts, and fear. That's not what we hope for in life. But sometimes, no matter how much we want to serve the Lord and please God, life is tough and life is disappointing. Verse 6 shows us exactly what to do when our hopes are dashed and we're thoroughly disappointed. Listen to verse six. But God who comforts the discouraged, oh, thank God, (laughs) that's our God. God who comforts the discouraged comforted us by the arrival of Titus. So when your hopes are dashed, when you're disappointed, man, we were going to Macedonia, we thought we were gonna get a breather. Instead, you know, it got worse. And and then what do they do? They continue to be faithful and to do uh, what God has called them to do. God who comforts the discouraged. He comforted them, how? By the arrival of Titus. This is important tonight. God is a comforter. Our God knows how to comfort us when we're disappointed. Our God knows how to comfort us when we're discouraged. Our God knows how to comfort us when we're broken. That's why it's important we run to him and not from him. Amen? I'm upset, I'm angry, I'm disappointed, I'm mad at God. Don't do that. Be mad at everybody else. Be mad at me. Be mad at yourself. But don't be mad at God because he's really the only one that can comfort you at times. And so, you know, Paul is showing them that, hey, we were disappointed. Yeah, it didn't go our way, but God is a comforter. And here's how he comforted us. He comforted us with the arrival of Titus. Whenever we're broken, whenever we're discouraged, we need to run to God with our discouragement and wait for him to comfort us. Did you hear that? Well, I went to God and 10 minutes later, I still wasn't comforted. (laughs) Anybody about as patient as me? Right? It's like, we, well, I tried that. So the problem is if we don't run to God and wait for him to comfort us, this is what I've learned. We find something else to comfort ourselves with. Come on, you need to, I'm preaching better than you're shouting tonight. Isn't this what we do? You know, it's like, well, you know, God, I'm all messed up, broken. This wasn't fair. I'm disappointed. I'm mad. All right, God, I'm going to the bar. And we, we try to find something else to comfort ourselves with. We comfort ourselves with food. Oh, you didn't think I was going to say food, did you? You thought he's going right to drugs. No, let's start with food. You know, it's like I'm disappointed and, and, a, and a gallon of Briar's ice cream later, I'm still disappointed. You know, it's we comfort ourselves. We they even call it comfort food. You know, like, we're not supposed to eat comfort food as a meal, by the way. I just, just want to put that in there. So we comfort ourselves with other things when we don't wait for God to comfort us. Our God is a God who comforts, but we got to be willing to wait on the Lord. Are you broken? Are you discouraged? Are you upset? Wait on the Lord. Don't comfort yourself with other things. You know, people use food. They use drugs. They use alcohol. They use sinful pleasures. Some people comfort themselves with complaining and just, you know, and just being grouchy. 
You ever seen somebody like that? They just and everybody around them is like, ah, get away. You know? So the husband schedules a hunting trip and hunting season's closed. I'm getting out of here. I was just kidding about that. Can I? I want to make sure I can sleep indoors. It's cold tonight. But we've got to wait for the Lord to comfort us. Don't comfort yourself. Run to him, not from him. If you're disappointed, listen, when we comfort ourselves with other things besides God, those things become idols. And a, a lot of bondage and addiction is born out of us comforting ourselves instead of waiting on the comfort of God. We've got to wait. So how does God comfort us? Well, here in this instance, he comforted them by using another person. God often comforts us with other people. That's why it's important we don't isolate ourselves and we, you know, we become disconnected. That's why it's important when church is over, you don't run out the door right to your car like it was, you know, a triathlon. I'm out of here now. I'm in my car now. I'm driving. And then, no, stay around and get to know somebody. Why? Because you're going to need each other. We're going to need each other at moments in our lives. And the people who isolate themselves, man, when, when they're waiting for God to comfort them and there's nobody around them and nobody knows what they're going through, they're really susceptible to being snared into the trap of comforting themselves with a wrong thing. So in this case, they went and did what they had to do. They were broken up in Macedonia, but God comforted them with the arrival of Titus, another person. If you've ever had a person come alongside of you at a really dark time in your life and give you hope, you know what a precious gift that is. If you've ever had somebody come alongside you when you're broken and hug you and cry with you and listen to you, you know what a priceless gift that is. If you've ever had someone lift up your hands like Moses' hands were lifted up and just be strength for you when you were weak, come on. God uses other people to comfort us, to come alongside of us. You know, a, a friend that, you know, a, a friend that's really a friend doesn't run away when, when you're hurting, when you're broken. You know, your good time, happy time, friends, when, when things hit the fan and you're hurting, they're nowhere to be found. Come on. But a real friend is there, and they laugh with you, and they cry with you, and they come alongside of you. And it might be a different person in a different situation, but God is faithful to bring people around us, and he used Titus to comfort them. Uh, you know, the person he uses, it could be a friend, a family member, a leader in the church, a brother or sister that you respect. They show up out of the blue. They, they ring your phone and they say, how you doing? And, you know, they have the right words at the right time. That's all from God. That's how God comforts us. You're like, well, you know, I'm broken up. I'm, wait, I'm waiting for God to show up here. I hope he's got, you know, got time for me. Sometimes he just sends a person. Yeah, the Holy Spirit's there with us all the time. Yeah, Jesus is speaking to us. Yeah, the Lord is hearing our prayers. But sometimes we need somebody with skin on them to come and help us out. And God sent Titus in this situation. Uh, if you've ever received God's comfort in your life from a Titus who arrived at the right place at the right time and it helped you get through, you know what a blessing it is. And I want to say this, you and I not only need to be thankful for the Tituses in our life, we need to learn to be Tituses ourselves. 
I want you to hear that tonight, amen. Oh, thank God, I was having a hard time, and, and God sent brother and sister so-and-so, and boy, they really encouraged me. And now, you know, now I'm back to isolating myself, and I don't want to be around anybody anymore. It's our turn to pay back sometimes. It's our turn to be a Titus for others. The more spiritually mature we become, the more we need to be willing to invest ourselves in hurting people. Yeah. Three people think it's good. <laughs> There's a lot of people hurting out there. There's a lot of people going through things that you've been through that you could help them. Let's not be too busy to be used by God. Let's not be too selfish to think, well, you know, they'll get through it. I got through it. Let's be willing to sit down sometimes in the mud and the muck and, you know, Listen and maybe cry some tears and wrap an arm around a brother or sister. God wants to use us to be Tituses. Titus was a gift to them. He was the person that encouraged them and comforted them, and, and it was a blessing to Paul. Um, God comforts us by sending people, and also God comforts us by sending good news. Amen? Ever, ever get any good news? Ever get something in the mail that's actually not a bill? Ever get, ever get a phone call that's actually encouraging? It's not a collection agency? <laughs> Look what it says here. But God who comforts the discouraged comfort us by the arrival of Titus. Verse 7. And not only by his arrival, but he also comforted us with, what, with which he was comforted among you as he reported, say reported, reported. to us of your longing, your mourning, and your zeal for me so that I rejoice. So Titus's presence was an, an encouragement to Paul, but also the, the news that he reported to Paul was an encouragement to Paul. Are you getting this? So God uses people to lift us out of discouragement, and God uses good news, answers to prayer, things that we, you know, that we need to hear that encourage us, Amen. In the Old Testament, they would send messengers. You know, they didn't have cell phones. They didn't have text messaging. They, they, didn't, they didn't have internet. You know that, right? So the way they got messages around, you know, they would send messengers. In, in, in the medieval times and stuff, in battles, they would have runners that would, you know, run up and give the king a message and then run back and just say, hey, here's what the king wants to do, or, you know, bring a good report, bring a bad report. But these guys had to do it that way. So I want you to think about those who report good news. You know, they're like these runners that they dispatch back in the day. You know, and God will send people to us at the right place at the right time to give us some encouragement amen and this is a powerful thing and you say well you know how does this happen just when we wait on him amen look if we run away and we comfort ourselves we're going to miss the right people at the right time we're going to miss the good news we're going to miss the encouragement why because we say god i don't need you i'm going to comfort myself i'm going to eat too much i'm going to drink too much i'm going to medicate myself that's what our world does but brothers and sisters, that's not for us. We serve a God who is for us and is with us and who's worth waiting for, amen? So listen to Isaiah 52, 7. How delightful on the mountains are the feet of who, uh, whom brings good news, 
who announces peace and brings good news of happiness, who announces salvation and says to Zion, your God reigns. So, you know, talking about those runners, blessed are the feet of him, what? Who brings good news. You know, God will dispatch the right people at the right time to bring us good news, uh, good news of happiness and salvation. And so, you know, this is the way God works and this is the way God moves. And so we have to just wait on him until he brings us the comfort through people, through good reports. Titus himself was a comfort to Paul. Titus's news was a comfort to Paul. Uh, and the Corinthians caring about him in the way they did was a comfort to Paul. Look what the report was that Titus brought. The Corinthians were longing for you. They were mourning for you. They had zeal for you. You know, sometimes it really helps us get through a dark time when we know somebody else really cares. You know, it's easy in life to feel like nobody cares. Remember when you were young and you had a bad day in school and you'd come home, I got no friends. <laughs> you know, and, and there's times where you go through dark episodes in life and then nobody cares. You know, and I got to be honest with you, there are times where not only does it feel like nobody cares, but maybe nobody does. But God cares all the time. He sees what you're going through. He knows the injustice. He knows the pain of it. He, he knows you're hurting. He knows the people that blew you off that you were there for, but now they're not there for you. Come on. But wait on the Lord. Amen. He's going to take care of you. He, he's... He's for you, he's with you, he notices you, and he cares. And so the Corinthians really cared. They were longing for him. They were mourning for him. They had zeal for him. And that was a, a blessing to Paul. It's always a great feeling to know that others of like precious faith are with us when we're hurting, when we're broken, when we're beat up and overwhelmed by life. And there again, it's by us developing depth in our relationships that we insulate ourselves from being isolated so that when we do need others we haven't pushed them all away preemptively but we have enough relationship for people to know what we're going through so that they can be the hands and feet of God to us let's bow our heads tonight father I just thank you tonight for uh, this text and all that you've talked in there for us and Holy Spirit I thank you that you brought it out Lord and you you helped us to see uh, all the treasures that you put in your word and, and how Paul uh, just shows the father heart of God. And God, thank you for reminding us that you love us, that you're for us, that you see good in us, that you don't nitpick us and just harp on all our flaws, but you actually brag on us. God, that you love us enough that when we were discouraged and we're broken, you send the right people at the right time. You send good news. You encourage us. Holy Spirit, you move in our hearts. I pray tonight for any one of us here tonight that's struggling, that's broken, that's full of anxiety and worry. And I pray, Lord God, that we would not comfort ourselves with things that are destructive to our souls. Father, if any of us have given ourselves over to these things and we eat too much and drink too much and we medicate ourselves, Lord God, we repent tonight. And we ask you to deliver us. And then we ask you for the, the wisdom and the spiritual strength to wait on the Lord because you're the God who comforts. And as we wait on you, we know you'll be faithful. I pray it in Jesus' name, amen. 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 Give him praise tonight.